Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the only comic book podcast to offer up-to-the-minute updates on Bigfoot sightings in the Pacific Northwest. I am Max. And I am JR. And Spokane, Washington, (laughs) you... No. (laughs) Spokane, Washington, Uh, I am told, is fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. Like, I, like I told you, any other joke I could have made right now would have just been like a bunch of sobbing. I, you know, like we don't we talk we talk about political things on this show mm-hmm. in the context of comic books, but we don't really talk about politics as such. Sure, simply because. For nothing, if if for no other reason than I don't know about you, this is my release valve. This sure. is it, like that's that's one of the reasons. Like listenership is good, but I also don't really care because I'd mostly just do this just to do it, right? Uh, because like yeah, this is this is my break <laughs> from just like the dumpster fire that things have been for a long time right. and but man like the last couple weeks have been pretty fucked up uh it's been a goddamn roller coaster for sure it's it's good that trump is out of office but i do think we need to recognize that things are far from over um, not just because the, a lot of the issues that were present under Trump are still present, uh, whether it's racial injustice or what have you, uh, but also because I think, I think one thing that we need to recognize is, well, two things. One is that... While it is good that the insurrection attempt on January 6th failed, uh, there are a lot of Republican lawmakers that had it gone, had it worked, would have happily gone along with it. Uh, you know, we can, we can single out people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and things like that, but like, they're only the most vocal. There's a lot of people that would have been A-OK with that situation uh, had it succeeded that are now denouncing it. But mm. And the other, the other thing that we need to face is the fact that um, as much as we might like to think Trump was an aberration, and certainly Biden does, uh, yeah. Trump is Trump is a natural consequence of things that the Republican Party has been doing for as long as I've been alive. And the one thing that I think bears mentioning as often as possible is that while some Republicans 
may have pulled back slightly after seeing how bad things got in the last month. Uh, the Republican Party as a whole is not going to change. And so all we're, all we're going to see as, as time passes is another Trump, regardless of who it is or how adept they are at getting things done. We will see more of this because the Republican Party has coddled a lot of its worst elements in an attempt to gain power, and that's all that matters to them. And that's going to continue until the Republican Party is politically destroyed. Anyway, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's really <coughs> funny. I was, I was talking to my therapist this past week and really just laughing at the idea of the old saw of like you only get more conservative as you get older and it's just like nah i'm just getting more and more radical because like i used to be i used to be a centrist i used to be like well you know there's there's common ground to be had and i think the the answer lies somewhere in the middle and now i'm just like Look, all I'm saying is we need to burn it all down and start over. Democrat, Republican, doesn't fucking matter. All of you are out. <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. Uh, so, sorry. That was that was kind of random. I just... Uh. It's okay. It's okay. I got my house broken, too. <laughs> yeah (laughs) that's why we didn't that's why we didn't record last week is uh that uh for uh, the listener we everything that was taken we're fine everything's fine we just the only thing that was taken that apparently cannot be replaced was uh my girlfriend's animal crossing island which ended up really sucking um, it sounds yeah. stupid, but like, I think no, I'm just, th- that's the thing is like, I'm trying to convince her that this is not dumb. Like, cause she's like, really, she is, was, she's restarted, but she was really, really upset. And like being like, you know, sob apologizing to me about how stupid it was to be this upset. And I'm, I was trying to explain to her, no, it's not. She's like, it's just a video game thing. And I'm like, no, you think it's stupid to be this upset. I completely understand. Like, we... And I think that's interesting is, like, a nerd idea. Like, we... Nerd video game people, comic book people... Like, if we... We lose these things... If we lost something that was inconsequential, air quotes... It isn't about... The thing... It's about the amount of work we put in to get the thing to where it was that we wanted. It's ultimately, like, the island was ultimately a an extremely creative endeavor that she put a lot of work into as a psychological out... Like, she started it after lockdown started. She started it uh, when the store was closed initially. And, like, this, is, this has been a very, very much a... 
psychological release for her. And uh, that it, being upset that that thing that you put in over 900 hours into is gone is not stupid. That That's completely <laughs> sensical. That So, I don't know. Uh, if anybody else... Every, I, I think this is the crowd that would completely sympathize with that. Um, I, you know, anything like that. I Anything that you put yourself into mm-hmm. um, like that. I mean, you know, I lost access to a uh, The Simpsons Tapped Out I had a huge Springfield that I had built, uh, and I lost access to it, and I was really upset about that. Yeah. Um, for a while. And so, you know, and yeah, it's a mobile game. Who gives a shit? But also, like, I'd spend a lot of time putting that that town together and, like, getting it the way I wanted to and unlocking characters and I had like event items and on and on and on and yeah no it's 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 heartbreaking to to lose out not only on the time that you've put into it but also just you know like it was yours mm-hmm. you built it you loved it and it's gone like yeah it's a, uh, yeah, she it's, should... a, it's a fundamentally creative endeavor that is stripped. I don't know. It's weird. And yeah, I think, I, I yeah, they, that was ended up being the hardest thing to lose, which was yeah. shitty. Anyway. She should absolutely not feel bad about that. No. Uh, feel bad about being upset about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, news, news, uh, here's some news. Apparently it's the nineties again. Uh, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) we have to go through all this shit again. Uh, I will meet you at the bridge. Uh, I, I have said in the past, uh, that there is no idea so bad that Marvel will not revisit it two, three, four more times before it's all said and done. And I really wish that they'd stop proving me correct. (laughs) Because, uh... So first of all, Miles Morales is getting his own clone saga. Uh... Because, yeah. Um... And that's just in that's just why that that's just look around the room and be like what you don't nobody you don't want that <laughs> nobody wants no that one, no one said that why yeah. would you do that don't 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 yeah no we could do it better this time ah. uh because I mean this is one of those things where we run you know smack dab into Max Max beats a dead horse about secret invasion when you walk the concept through 
Where are you going? That's the exact same problem with Clone Wars. Or Clone Saga. Walk the idea through. Where the fuck are you going with this? Because it's... It, it doesn't have a... It doesn't have a nice ending. Like, you've got to fuck shit up entirely. And if that's okay yeah. with you, go for it. But if not, don't do this. Because it's Marvel. <laughs> They're not okay with it. So don't do this. It's fine. Do something else. Well, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I feel like if you are... If you are the creator on a Spider-Man book, generally speaking, I feel like you should stay away from the C word as much as possible. Now, this is going to be written by Saladin Ahmed. Uh, So, who knows? But also, like, dude, don't you know there are people that love you? that don't want to see you destroy yourself? Why? There are people that Why love... would you do this? <laughs> Put the hammer down. Stop slamming it into your crotch. Yeah. It... Which brings us to the other part of this. <laughs> Go ahead. Which is... Uh, well, I mean, I just... I wanted to bring the... Because I feel like we're going to spend a little bit of time on the Clone Saga. I also wanted to bring up, Marvel has also now teased something called Heroes Reborn, which is why I say it's the 90s all over again. We don't really know a lot. They've just shared a few images of, like, Doctor Doom looking like the Juggernaut, and... Uh, Reed and Ben as agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and shit, and it's just like okay but so the original, yeah. the first Heroes Reborn was after um Onslaught Onslaught, yeah and here's the thing I liked Onslaught Oh, sure. But Heroes Reborn was crap. <laughs> Heroes Reborn uh, was sort of like stepping on a rake. It, you, you, you just, it just didn't work the way you wanted it to as a reader. Um, if I remember correctly. it Well, it was just... It was it was not good. Yeah. Uh, as a general rule, I mean, even if you even if you ignore the um, the Rob Liefeld side of things, it was not good. Uh, and you know, I recognize that you know they they have the 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 um, trademark to these names. I forget I forget which it is trademark copyright whatever fine but like it is it is really it's really hard to to see these things and not just be like what why um 
There was a there was an old strip of Get Fuzzy that that springs to mind at at times like this, where um, the main the main guy Rob uh, winds up losing all his hair uh, because one of his pets gave him Nair shampoo, and so he won all of his <laughs> hair winds up falling out, and so he goes to work wearing a baseball cap and. Uh, and his boss is like, hey, so the baseball cap. Um, and Rob's like, yeah, I'm sorry. My cat wound up switching my shampoo with Nair. All my hair fell out, stuff like that. And his boss is like, yeah, no, that that's all fine. Uh, but the, the Boston Red Sox, I mean... <laughs> We're trying. We're trying to project an air of uh, success around here, and he's like, "Oh, sorry." And it's that's the that's the kind of like when you when you are when you are starting out calling your thing after naming your your storylines after things that are so reviled. Um, that I can't, I just can't understand the thought process there. Um, like I said, the clone saga, it's going to be written by Saladin Ahmed. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm pulling for him cause I like him. Uh, and I don't want this to be shitty, but also like. I don't know. Don't run headfirst at a wall and expect <coughs> a different outcome from the last guy who did it. Right. It's very... Uh, I mean, of them, Saladin... Not, he's such a good writer. So maybe? It's just, why do a clone saga? You don't have to. You could do anything else. You could do literally anything else. <laughs> yeah. And still, you know, the, I would rather see uh, Saladin Ahmed tackle literally any other awful Spider-Man story. <laughs> I would rather see him tackle... Uh, Mary Jane dies due to radioactive jizz or sure Aunt May <laughs> is actually Peter's mom or uh Peter re- distinctly remembers the feeling of his aunt's vagina or like all of these things then the clone saga like what but whatever I you know I the clone saga man I'm, i i'm looking at the covers for heroes reborn though and they're really good covers <laughs> we don't yeah. need we don't need this i don't know what it's for but these are really good covers yeah but it's just it's it's hard to say it's hard to say what it's actually going to be since literally all we have is a name and a few images sure uh at this point in time beyond that you know 
Uh, I, I mm, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we should mention WandaVision is out. That started well, since the last time we recorded. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We can't really, I haven't watched it. Um, because number one, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed with the whole putting things out a week at a time because I know that they're not <coughs> doing it for any reason that directly benefits me, but because it keeps people from signing up for a free trial and then quitting as soon as they've finished the uh, series they wanted to see. And so it's just kind of like, don't don't piss it on my face and tell me it's raining. Don't act like this is to benefit my ass. This is for you. But also just because I'm spoiled. I don't give a shit. I I want to watch it all at once. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, but yeah. What did you think? I like it. It's... Maybe I'm still unpacking it, but I like it. Um... I like... My girlfriend's watching it with me. And I like the... What do you... You know, she asks me, what do you think's going on? And I'm like... This, this, and this. And there was some debate as to when... Apparently online there was some debate as to when it's set. Like, when it is happening. And I was like, what do you mean? uh, But... Jocelyn actually made it oh duh it is happening after it's probably between Infinity War and Endgame Um, which makes the most sense because (coughs) she didn't get dusted but for the largest part of Endgame she's not there until the end Uh, she got dusted no she I'm pretty... Hang on. I'm pretty sure she did. One second. I I distinctly recall... uh, I distinctly recall... Yeah, she got dusted. Oh, shit. So... Huh. I was going right, to say, because I distinctly recalled at the end of Infinity War, her turning to dust as well. Yeah. Um, well, that means it's a- that means it's after Endgame, and who gives a shit? Like, why are we talking about this? Why is it important? Other than, where the hell is everybody else? See, that made more, it made more sense to me if, if she hadn't been dusted... Put it between Infinity War and Endgame during that five years where <clears throat> the heroes are A, mostly gone, and B, have their own shit to do. Then Wanda, a person that Joss, my girlfriend pointed out, has never truly been trusted by the rest of them completely anyway, has gone away to self-isolate, do her own thing, then... Okay, good. 
Wanda's a problem, but it's not a problem we have to deal with right now because we're trying to unsnap the universe. Uh, we'll deal right. with that as soon as we get the other thing fixed. That's That made more sense to me. If she's snapped, then... Okay. Uh, <coughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, otherwise, I like the look and feel of the show. It's creepy enough um, in that it's like clearly something's wrong but that was made clear by the black and white episodes anyway so it's fine you just get the depth of how much something's wrong by the end of middle of three okay yep all right. So, I don't know. Well, it's hard to talk about without both of... A, both of us having seen it, and B, without all of it being out, so... Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, comics. I guess we should get around to that. Sure. Uh, Avengers number 173 has a cover by George Perez and Terry Austin, written by Jim Shooter and David Michelinie, uh, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by, are you ready for this? Pablo Marcos, Wynn Mortimer, Bob McLeod, Joe Rubenstein, Dan Green, Rick Bryant, and Klaus Jansen. <sighs> Colored by Nell Yamtov, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Annette Kowecki, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Uh This issue, we are primarily uh, a lot of, we're spending a lot of time uh <coughs> the getting everybody to where we need them so like all of the various you know reserve avengers and characters who haven't been for a minute are slowly making their way in uh black widow and hercules arrive back in new york from uh from la Captain Marvel and Black Panther are in, you know, all of this shit. So, uh, they, in addition, um, we have the Guardians keeping an eye on Vance Astro. Uh, and then we have, um, and then we have Karina and Michael. And Karina is clearly torn about the whole situation and as time passes we find out more as to why um uh because she she loves him but also like she's terror she's clearly terrified of him um and stuff like that um michael for his part is sort of checking in on all of the various uh, cosmic powers that might be able to oppose him and making sure that as as it stands, they are not yet aware of what he's doing. Um, but, whatever. Um, we... We get some... We get some weird... Some weird things. We get some more, like... Thor has some weird shit going on, and I'm really pissed 
because they've been building this whole Thor mystery and it doesn't really go anywhere good. Like we find out why this whole thing is happening here in the next issue or two. And it's just like, really, that's it? Like what it kind it kind of feels like they were building something and I don't know, like they're about to change creative teams. And so they just have to kind of wrap up what they were going to do with Thor. So they're just like, uh, the Grandmaster did it. Uh, but I like that it, this, it, there is this one little moment where Thor walks into the Avengers kitchen and Wonder Man's there eating a sandwich. And he's like, Thor basically is like, I don't know who the fuck you are, man. And Wonder Man gets all indignant with him and he's like, I don't know. And he just leaves and it's fun but ultimately stupid because it doesn't go anywhere. it is it it is ultimately stupid i agree i i like the because simon simon is trying to be nice he's like hey pull up a chair and thor's like who the fuck are you to be so casual with me and yeah. he's like uh what i mean <laughs> i'm wonder i'm wonder man we've we've fought a few battles together and thor's like no we haven't what are you talking about? And so that's that's interesting. And like I said, that's why like I'm so pissed off that it is just like whatever. It was Grandmaster doing it, and it's just like that's it. That's it. Like doing what for? Why? I've been wanting to know why this is going on, and you're just gonna tell me well, eh, eh. um, but yeah, it's eventually. Was there a plan? Eventually, no. <laughs> uh, eventually, we are left with nearly no Avengers. Um, and uh, so they are able to... Uh, Wonder Man has the... Or, sorry, Wonder Man. Uh, Yellow Jacket has the idea to... Um, to contact Vance Astro and see if maybe the uh, <coughs> space station he's on might have more uh, more sensors than they have available to them. Uh, and I'm sorry, I was saying it was the Grandmaster. It's actually the Collector. That was dumb. Uh, but anyway, Vance Astro manages to locate this tiny craft... Um, and then, uh, the last remaining Avengers, which are, of course, Iron Man, Thor, Wasp, and Hawkeye, uh, are able to teleport aboard, and it turns out that it's the Collector who's been grabbing, uh, various Avengers. Um, whoop-de-fucking-do. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, the, this... This part of things feels well. I'll get I'll get to that. Um, so Avengers number one seventy four is written by Jim Shooter and Bill Mantlo, penciled by David Wenzel, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Shelley Lefferman. Um, so we we have a fight between the remaining Avengers and the Collector. Um, 
Thor, Wasp, and Iron Man lose. <laughs> um, they get taken out. And then all that's left is Hawkeye. And I, I love Hawkeye. I, I, love, I love the fact that, you know, everybody shits on Hawkeye because it's like, why, why is this asshole on the Avengers? And it's just like, stuff like this is why. Uh-huh. Uh, like Hawkeye, Hawkeye doesn't fuck around. He gets the job done and he does it really well. God damn it. Um, but the collector keeps throwing shit at Hawkeye and Hawkeye is able to survive it all. Um, and he's able to bring the collector down, even though the collector is like this cosmic entity who has way more power than Hawkeye ever would. Um, Hawkeye takes him down and the collector is like, okay, okay. Um, and so the captive Avengers are freed. Um, and the collector starts explaining that, um, long ago he had a vision of Thanos, uh, becoming a threat to everything that existed. So he started collecting specimens and other things that he wanted to protect uh, when Thanos eventually winds up destroying everything. Uh, But then Thanos was taken care of. And then the collector's just like, oh shit, there's something worse coming. Um, And so he sent his, I believe it's daughter, I yeah. forget. I I had wanted to say granddaughter originally, but no, it's his daughter, uh, which it turns out is Karina, to uh, to spy on Korvac. Um, unfortunately for the collector, uh, Karina does love Michael, and so she she kills the collector seemingly. We, of course, know, having seen him in other things, he ain't dead, but, uh, or at least if he is, he gets restored. <laughs> so, yeah. whatever. Um, but the Avengers I see like this, this bolt. I like this moment because the Collector is in the middle of spilling the beans, and then we switch back to Earth, and Michael's like, uh, something's, hold on. And he does this big power move, and then back on the space or on the collector space station, the collector is just like, "Oh shit!" It gets vaporized, um, and I love that the whole Avengers team basically goes, "Oh, oh fuck!" Like yeah. we might seriously be outclassed here. Uh, shit. It's yeah. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you know, there there are several things that I that I like about this. Number one, it does show how committed Karina is to <coughs> Michael. Uh, mm-hmm. While she's been kind of like uh, waffly a bit, um, it's clear she does very much care about Michael uh, enough to turn against and slay her own father. Uh, number two, I like the fact that for the Avengers, 
this just happens out of fucking nowhere. Right. Like, collectors just talking, and then, like, this bolt of energy just... And he's dead. Right. Um, so I, re- I really like that they're just left... You know, there's nothing overt to indicate who their enemy is beyond the fact that, you know, what intelligence they've been able to gather. The enemy doesn't show up and gloat or anything like that. Like, Thanos would just be like, ha-ha, I have, I have removed one of the only obstacles. This, it's just like, he dies and they're just like, the fuck was that? <laughs> so <laughs> What was that? Oh shit. Are we fucked? Normally yeah. we know what we're doing. This is we don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so Avengers number 175 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Terry Austin, written by Jim Shooter and David Michelini, uh lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall and edited by Roger Stern. Uh so the Avengers are just like Oh shit! Uh, this is this is bad, um, and so you know we we get an explanation for why Thor has been so weird lately, and like I said, it is in no way uh, it is it is in no way a satisfying explanation. Uh, they they find a time machine. Uh, which, uh, at this point, the, um, the, uh, two-gun kid is just like, you know, it's been fun, but I think it's time for me to go back to (coughs) my, uh, my own time. And they're just like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, no, seriously, I think, I think it is. (laughs) And uh yeah no like, okay. you're fighting in, you're fighting intergalactical galactic gods. I got guns. I'm pretty good with them. I, I'm pretty but, good, but there's just two of them. They have six <laughs> shots apiece. Like I'm a little out of my depth. And Hawkeye, Hawkeye for his part is just like, dude, what? <laughs> but uh whatever. So uh they find a teleportation uh, device and they're like okay let's head back um they wind up the problem is though it does not return them all together uh it just kind of drops them <laughs> in various <laughs> places and so like uh <laughs> wonder man gets hit by a bus scarlet witch gets uh teleported uh, like a mile above the ground, <laughs> uh, you know, so does Hawkeye, uh, stuff like that. But it's, it's just, it's, it's poorly thought out teleportation, apparently, or they just didn't know how to work it properly. Um, but at any rate, so it's at this point that we find out what happened to Korvac between the last time we saw him in, uh, was it Thor? And uh, now. And the short version is, after having received another 
uh, defeat at the hands of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he teleported away and found himself aboard a ship, an abandoned ship belonging to Galactus. Um, he, of course, is just like, well, I can use this to increase my power. So he plugs himself into the computer system, uh, which winds up evolving him uh, significantly. And that's that's how we go from Korvac being a threat to literally being a god. Um, yeah. And so it he then decided, well... I will uh, travel back and I will become the god to this universe. And so what the Guardians thought was bad is actually just so much worse, uh, it seems. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but it seems so much worse than what they were actually thinking. Um, so... The Avengers decide to meet back, you know, the the Avengers are able to regroup. Um, and Ms. Marvel is there because she rescued Scarlet Witch. Um, Jocasta is like, I'd like to help. And Quicksilver is just like, fuck machines. And, uh, you know, just continues being Quicksilver. Uh, and is it at this point, I think, that Moondragon just kind of fixes his brain? <laughs> like, uh, no, that's later. Okay, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I know it, it is supremely fucked up that she's just like, yeah, no, and just unracisms him. And he's just <laughs> yeah. like, he just goes from... He was gonna bust in there and like we'll get to it. Um it's I think it's in the next issue, but yeah. Okay. Alright. Well, um so Iron Man makes the discovery that a lot of a lot of their computer room has been repossessed um by Gyric. The hits just keep on coming. Uh and so the Avengers are like all right, let's contact the Guardians and get this worked out. Michael is aware of all of this, but also not particularly worried because he knows Starhawk Star Star uh, is not able to uh, see what he's doing. And so he uh, he's just like, whatever, it's fine. Let them run around chasing their tails. So, um, so yeah. I also, there is this quick bit in here where um, Wonder Man is still trying to, like, I don't, not woo Miss Marvel, but, like, impress her. And he's like, yeah. he, they go into the weight room and uh, the weights are set for Thor, and Miss Marvel can't pick them up. Wonder Man gets underneath them, gets them most of the way up, and then is like, oh shit, they're set for Thor, and it appears I'm not Thor either. Almost gets crushed when Iron Man comes around and is like, uh, you know, repulsor boops the uh, the settings on the 
<laughs> on the thing, and uh, we need we need to call it repulsor boop from now on. <laughs> like Iron Man's fighting someone and like blows their face off, but we still call it a repulsor boop. Sounds good. But he, so he boops the button to turn it down. Uh, Wonder Man sets the thing down, and uh, he he's like, you know, Iron Man's like. Uh, you know, I, I see what you're doing there. It's cool, but we, you know, we need to keep you. Everybody needs to keep safe. We're gonna need him for the fight ahead because this is gonna get hard. And Iron Wonder Man's like, he didn't even yell at me. Uh, and uh, Miss Marvel's like, that's because he's got problems like you and I have. Eye teeth. Like he's, you're nowhere near the biggest issue in his life in his world right now. So just shush. And she's, yeah, it's it's fun that he gets Wonder Man gets a bit of come up, and it's, it's fun that we get a bit of more more of their interaction, where she's just like, yeah. "You're you're cute, you're close, but you need some work." Um, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, I I will say that. From what I've seen of Carol Danvers' dating history over the years, uh, she needs to stop picking projects. Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, whatever. We're going to clear uh, like why that is psychologically from... Oh, no, we've already met her dad. Yeah, her dad yeah. sucks. Her dad yeah. sucks, and that's why. Yeah. yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just like, Carol, come on. Like, nobody's perfect, but, you know, if you meet if you meet a dude and you're just like, uh, I don't know, maybe I could fix you, that's not the relationship for you. Like, if no. you meet... It's one thing if you meet someone and then you uh you are discover problems after the fact that's one thing but if you meet someone and you're just like man you're you're kind of a you're kind of a mess but we can work on that then no that's not that's probably not going to go anywhere good it it depends on no it doesn't i was going to try and qualify (laughs) it and be like it depends on the kind of mess and it's like you know, he refu- you know, the person refuses to clean up their fucking living space. No, you're still probably not. That's not a thing you need to work on. You just deal or don't. Uh... Well, choose it, choosing to do that. Okay. You know, make a choice. Whatever. Yeah. But, like, don't, don't expect that you're going to be able to fix them. Yeah. Just sure. don't. No. That has to be done by them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Anyway. All right. That brings us to Avengers number 176, which has a cover by John Romita Jr. and Terry Austin, uh, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Rick Parker, edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Um, I, uh, this issue, this issue has a couple of things I really like. Um, so, 
everybody, the Guardians meet up with the uh, Avengers, and um, you know, at at this point in time, we're operate we're operating on sort of two different uh, tracks not knowing that they're the same track. So the Avengers are aware of an enemy who struck down the collector. They do not realize that that collector is Korvac. Oh yeah. Um, or that enemy, I mean, is Korvac. So Starhawk is really kind of angry about being pulled away from, um, from watching out for Korvac to deal with what he considers bullshit. So, um, Moondragon, meanwhile, has a bit of a stroke of genius, as it were, um, and goes to, goes to talk to Iron Man. It's at this point that she has a run-in with Pietro. Pietro is... You know, being an asshole about Wanda and Vision, as always. And it's at this point that Moondragon is just like, you know what? And she she tweaks his brain a little bit, which is a thing that Moondragon does a lot this week. Um, and it's just kind of a thing she does. And nobody nobody really calls her on it regardless of the fact that she doesn't she doesn't talk to anybody before doing it she just does it yeah so the line here is so hawkeye and quicksilver are fighting and moon dragon's just like enough this is stupid and disgusts me and uh <clears throat> quicksilver's like stay out of this and he she's like no not when such filths can be easily cleansed and whammies him at which point Hawkeye's like or at which point she's like good that's done and starts to leave and Hawkeye's like hey wait you can't just do that and that if you've heard him and she's and Quicksilver's like actually no it just it felt like insight and it's like well okay so you've whammied him though like of course he'd say that like this is right. the problem. This is the problem. Whenever X- or Professor X does the same similar mind whammy shit, it's like, yeah, of course they're gonna say it's fine. You whammy them. Um, so I even think though the, I think though what pisses me off about Xavier doing it is that Xavier never does it for stuff like this. Xavier has Cerebro and could just reach <laughs> out and change the minds of everyone on Earth that hates mutants but he doesn't instead he's just like i'm just gonna erase shit in you in my students brains it's fine and it's like no no like you could, you know you could fix you could do world peace if you just i know it's unethical but you do unethical shit to individuals all the time so why yeah. is <laughs> just I mean, I know it's a slippery slope here, but I would actually rather you just do the one big whammy, f- 
fix everything instead of the individual Rammies. No, nope, nope. That gets fashy real quick. I all I all I'm say all I'm saying is, you know, <clears throat> Xavier is doing this shit anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like, you know, all those claims over the years that oh well it would be wrong to go into people's minds and just restructure things because I want to, like. We now know that that was bullshit. And it's just like, why are you okay yeah. with removing Scott's memories of his dead brother? <laughs> seemingly dead brother. Uh, but, like, all I'm saying is his lines are arbitrary and stupid. Oh, I'm not yeah. saying it. Uh, you shouldn't have lines. I'm saying that, like, having a line that you won't cross... When it could make a world of difference is bullshit when you absolutely will cross that line for selfish, petty reasons. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yep. But anyway. The the thing that makes so, it, like, the thing that makes it different here with Moondragon is she just does it and then doesn't try to justify it at all. She just walks yeah. away and is like, yeah, no, it's done now. I'm not undoing it. You want him to go back to hating it, hating Vision and Wanda's marriage? Fuck that. No. And uh, Hawkeye's just like, okay. Lots yeah. of things happen to Hawkeye. Like, not specifically <laughs> to him, but like, uh, like around Hawkeye. Things happen yeah. that Hawkeye has to deal with as a, like a mental thing. And I, you know, I think he's handling himself. He handles himself fairly well. Yeah. Depending on the day. Um, <laughs> Depending on being alive or not. I mean, if you've, if you've read uh, Freefall that came out recently, how well he handles things just depends. Uh, but anyway, so. So. Uh, the various, the various members of the of the team start all chasing down um the the different um kind of uh leads that they can find and what ultimately leads them to where they need to go is they take all of this information about weird fluctuations and uh, and um, occurrences and feed them into uh, Tony's computers and they're able to narrow it down to a neighborhood uh, and eventually to a specific house that there's some weird shit going on around. And Starhawk is just like, I sense nothing odd about that house. I don't understand why you think there's something there. Uh, this leads to one of my favorite things about this issue, which is because of their loss of uh, priority uh, clearance and the various uh, privileges that that nets them, they're unable to take a Quinjet 
to the to the house. So they just they go out and they commandeer a bus and they kick everybody off and they take they take a city bus to <laughs> to this house out in the suburbs. Um and they get there and the neighborhood is just like huh <laughs> like that that's a bus full of superheroes like what what's happening <laughs> um so they they go inside or they go they go up to this house and they're like hi we're uh we're the avengers <laughs> hello we think there's something we think there's something weird going on do you mind if we take a look um michael is like yeah i mean there's nothing there's nothing here but uh sure come on in um and so they take a look around and they don't find anything odd um this and is they're cool all as just hell. like yeah this is this is a, this is an interesting yeah this i really this is i really like this so because so like moon dragon reaches out and she's like nothing and uh captain marvel reaches out with the cosmic awareness and is like yeah nothing and even jacosta does some sort of you know machinery searching anything as well also nothing and then and then finally after all of that starhawk turns around and goes okay enough of this bullshit you have been the i have been patient with all of you because you seem to be having some kind of collective psychosis or something but there's no one there who are you talking to and they're all like um um what and yeah he's like oh my god i think who could get it so that who could get it so that Starhawk, the one who knows, can't see a person that's standing right in f- Oh shit, we're fucked. Like, this is yeah. him. Th- th- not only, yeah. like, it's not just we found it. This is him right now and that's how powerful he is. We're screwed. Uh, yeah. So they immediately just be like, alright, fight him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Korvac, for his part, is just like... <sighs> yep god damn it i am guess i gotta kill y'all this is that's also really good too like as far as a a villain moment where he's just like piss yeah all right yeah yeah it's me yeah um he's almost bored with it it's it's really well, good and and i and in retrospect once you finish it you realize like yeah, he's not. This isn't. This isn't the typical villain encounter, and not just because Korvac is basically a god, but it's also just because he doesn't want this altercation. He doesn't want this confrontation. He's specifically gone out of his way to avoid this, and not just because. Oh, I can't allow my plans to be discovered too soon because ultimately like the avengers are nothing to him it doesn't matter that they found him um he doesn't want to have the altercation because it tips the timetable up just a a smidge too early 
And having to go through... I mean, we see in the incoming fight that having to go through that kind of exertions of his own power will also tip off the Asgardians and the uh, Olympians and Mephisto and, like, all these other powers that he... and Eternity itself and all these other powers that he was really just hoping to avoid fucking with until everything was aligned and he could just fix things, which yeah. he monologues about. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that brings us to Avengers number 177, and that has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Terry Austin, written by Jim Shooter, inked by Pablo Marcos and Ricardo Villamonte, and lettered by Typeset and Denise Wall. Um, Michael is not happy about this, and he's, like, thinking about all of the, all of the cosmic forces that will align against him uh, in opposition to what he's hoping to accomplish. Uh, As he's doing this, uh, everybody else is like, uh, what's what's he doing? (laughs) And uh, because they don't, they know how powerful this guy is. Like in theory, they don't, they don't know the extent of his power as such, but they recognize like anybody strong enough to effectively erase themselves from Starhawk's awareness is not someone that we want to just leap into battle against. And so while this is going on, Moondragon reaches out and contacts the Guardians who arrive and uh again i like i like the fact that the neighbors are all just like what the fuck is going on in that house (laughs) um but they um they burst into the room and at this point michael can't just ignore what's happening so he decides to show them how little he is fucking around uh, and shows them dry dock, the base that Vance Astro is currently on uh, and shows it being destroyed. Um, uh, and they're all just like shit. And so the guardians attack, Nikki attacks Korvac. She's killed immediately. That sets off an issue in which you get to watch all of the Avengers and all of the Guardians die. Yeah. Which, with the exception of Thor and Moondragon. Uh, And it is. It's a a bloodbath. Um, And Michael... Michael, for his part, is not enjoying any of this. He's not he's not sitting there, like, delighting in the destruction of his enemies. He seems... He seems upset by the whole thing going on, or by all that's going on. And so... Um, as this happens, they try to take Karina hostage... Um, 
like Iron Man tells Black Panther to, Black Panther is hesitant to, so Yellow Jacket does it. Um, Yellow Jacket, however, realizes that Karina <laughs> is Karina's not scared of them. Um, <laughs> she is terrified of Michael. Um, Michael, of course lashes out and kills yellow jacket um you know and so this like i said it does not go well everybody they they end up getting they end up getting michael down oh right Eventually, they just hammer on him some, but they are not the one that kills him. Well, yeah, because it is ultimately... um, It is ultimately... uh, Karina... um, Karina is the one who... Um, she starts to doubt him. Yeah. Um, because he's, he's getting hammered by, um, several of the, several of the heroes who were still alive at that point in time. Um, and he turns to her, but she like, she, she recoils from him at which point Korvac basically just gives up and dies. Yeah. Uh, and so... Um, At that point, Karina kind of loses it. Um, Karina, and, yeah, <clears throat> Karina attacks them. And she's like... And uh, the, the heroes that are left are Thor, Vision, Iron Man. So some heavy fucking hitters and Starhawks there as well. And uh, they're all like, we didn't do it. We couldn't have possibly done that. What the fuck just happened? Um, and Karina loses her shit. All three of them, all four of them are taken on, are basically taken unprepared because they don't know she's the collector's daughter. Like they did, and that she wields the power cosmic. Like they're fighting Silver Surfer here, um, times two, yeah. and because it because she comes by it natural and they get wiped the fucking out um, yeah. until only Thor is left and she basically begs for him to kill her. And this time it's like, Thor's like, yeah, no, this is one I don't feel bad about. And well, blast and, and, and it's not actually, she does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of forces the blast um and so she she gets mortally wounded she stumbles toward michael and falls down dead while like reaching for him and they are so they are (laughs) we are in a a room full of avengers and guardians who are either dead or on the verge of death um uh and 
all that's left is Thor and Moondragon. And Moondragon has stayed out of all of this. Uh, she's just been standing there watching as all of this played out. Uh, she tells she tells Thor that in the instant before their deaths, um, meaning Michael and Karina's, all of the dead Avengers were restored to life. But they all need medical help. And she's like, I know who you are. Uh, so go ahead and do what you have to do. Um, and so, uh, this is, this is the thing that I like about Korvac and also something that kind of makes me mad about it. Um, and that is, and that is the fact that Moondragon explains that Michael's sanity was restored when he became a godlike being. He had not come back in time uh, to murder Vans Astro and prevent the Guardians from becoming uh, a threat to him. In point of fact, he came back in order to kind of become God himself and thus avoid a lot of the suffering that humanity was going to wind up going through and that the Avengers were not really the good guys after all. Um, I really like that because that is not that is not something we've really gotten in Avengers up until now. Um, that sort of... Yeah, you beat the bad guy, but should you have? Right. <laughs> um, it's the, up until this point. Um, it's the very... You guys just rushed into this. <laughs> like, nobody yeah. talked to anybody. It was just, clearly there's a big plan, and we must stop it. And it's like, sure. But, like, you just did avenging. You didn't... You just did the avenging. You leapt straight to the avenging part. You didn't... I guess you were getting kidnapped, and the collector died, and that irritate the kidnappings were irritating and the collector dying was traumatic and surprising but at the same time like no you never knew the full picture you just went to stop it and yeah we're not going to learn from this either because as she says at the very end <clears throat> moon Dra this is the second time this week that moon dragon whammies somebody without really telling them why or what to do she I think she thinks she's helping um because she as she's walking away she's like concentrate on your work Dr. Blake heal them and as you do your memory of what I have told you will fade so all of this well at least Korvac's plan is going to go away and they're not going to learn they won't remember that they were they they murdered a potentially benevolent god. Yeah. All of that's yeah. going to go... The only person just she told, that knows that now is Moondragon. And she's gonna fuck back off to Titan. So, like... Yeah. What? Who's he, who are you helping here? Um, yeah. 
And that's that's what makes me mad about this ending is I get that it I get that it sucks to discover that you're the bad guys. I get that it sucks to have prevented what may have been a a universal renaissance, a universal utopia. Uh, but also maybe that would have helped them not rush into fights like this again. You know, maybe it might have caused them to be a little more uh, circumspect in in who they were attacking and why. Yeah, I mean, you could seriously we'll never see know. A, you could seriously <laughs> see a world where Iron Man and Captain America both go. Like, they're having a meeting pre-Civil War, and they both go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we doing a Korvac? Are we... Yeah. Is that, is, that a thing, is that a thing we're doing right now? Are we not thinking this through? I'm not saying that you can't still do Avengers stories, right? But, like, it's right. really way more interesting for me. I understand that there's 30 years, or, you know, fucking 70 years of this shit, and, like, we have to do something but at the same time like i think it's really interesting for going forward if every once in a while you go wait a minute are we doing a coreback right now and they're like yeah. no no i don't think we are but just to have the pause yeah a pause is is sometimes you can you can still have characters that go are we doing a Korvac and then be like, no, we are completely in the right here. Yeah. And have them be wrong. Yeah. You could, they could still be wrong later, but the fact that they took the minute to pause and be like, are we actually, okay, no, are we the baddies? (laughs) Yeah. Are we the baddies here? Do we know the whole picture? And it's like, uh, Yes. Pretty sure. Good instinct, though. Like, I I like that just to be like having one of these fucking people be like, no, but yeah, good instinct. Good instinct to like, uh, because man, we fucked that up, didn't we? Uh, Maybe. Well, and and that's the thing. Like, they don't know. They don't know. And and I think that's I think that's such a necessary thing for a team like the Avengers, because, you know, a, a team like, you know to pick one at random, the new warriors or the X-Men or something like that, who maybe Champions. don't handle the big yeah. earth shattering things as often. Right. Do that. It may not be as important, but when you're talking, you know, when you're talking about teams like the Avengers or the justice league, the big teams that handle the big problems and get called in on the shit that matters on a regular basis. You need, you need them occasionally to, to have that sort of humility and be like, what if we're getting it wrong? Um, and they've now been deprived of that potentially. And well, and like, I'm, that's... I'm so frustrated. That's what, uh, I mean, and you're exactly right, because that's what you want out of Thor and Superman. 
to be the very yeah. first guys that are like, um, because I can kill planets, let's right. just pause and make sure that I'm using this power appropriately. I understand right. we have an active threat, but like, what is the threat? Is it yeah. what we think it is? Um, right. And that's like Iron Man going off a little half cocked. That's one thing. He he can fuck, Iron Man could fuck up a city pretty pretty good. Thor can kill planets. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, and they're the guys. And especially since we've you know we've fallen in love with Thor again over doing this. That's exactly the kind of thing he should be doing. Like hey, but now you've taken that away from him. Yeah, it's just so silly. I don't know. I know she thinks yeah. she's doing. I know the character thinks she's doing the right thing by like taking this again, trauma away from him. But you didn't doing the right thing. <laughs> you didn't do. You didn't talk to anybody about it. You just whammed him. Yeah. All right. So that's Avengers. Over overall, this one <coughs> has been interesting. I. The ending winds up feeling slightly rushed to me. Um, for as much build up as we've gotten, for the for the end of it to just be like everybody fights and dies within an issue, <laughs> and then it gets resolved, is a little bit is a little bit abrupt. But overall, overall, I liked it and. You know, I tried to read Korvac once before, I think. Uh, but I just, I didn't care. <laughs> I I don't know. I couldn't get into it. But I, I liked it a lot more uh, this time around. So I yeah. thought, not to like, belabor it in case we do a watch list, but uh, um, I thought overall... It had really fucking cool moments. Yeah. But yeah, the the ending just sort of... The implications of the end. Literally the last goddamn line is so undercutting of like... What the characters that are still around could have learned from the experience. And I don't... That just... Yeah, you're right. That's just so irritating. Um, yeah. All right. <coughs> so switching gears, we uh, we now have X Men number one eleven, which has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Terry Austin, and Danny Crespi, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Terry Austin, colored by Mary Titus, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, this issue, you know, having having taken off from Avengers Mansion. Uh, Beast has now managed to locate the X-Men. Uh, he, We find out in flashback that he had gone to the mansion after receiving Lorna's telephone call uh, and found it hastily abandoned. Uh, food, food was still sitting out. Uh, you know, things like that. Like, it wasn't like Everybody just took a vacation. Something happened abruptly, and now they're all gone. Um, 
And so he's tracked them to Texas, where there is a a carnival, and the X-Men are uh, the freak show now. Um, Banshee is out front uh, barking. Not... Okay. If you're if you're confused, I mean like a carnival barker, not like yeah, acting like a dog. Uh but all of the all of the X-Men are the various acts. Uh with the exception of uh Cyclops who is just a uh a, a hand. He's a he's a a carny. <laughs> um and uh so beast um beast investigates discovers that gene is a tra- trapeze artist uh who works without a net and as she intentionally like misses her catch so that she can float her way to the floor um and stuff like that it is so he he confronts her back in her trailer and she's like she has no memory of him uh at which point random carney slim comes in and it's like oh shit that's cyclops um they he comes under attack uh and gets knocked out by uh colossus and brought to the office of the guy running the show, and it turns out to be of an or X Men villain Mesmero. Um, the The majority of the rest of this issue is kind of whatever. I mean, you know, the X Men begin to remember who they are and uh, things like that. But ultimately, Mesmero gets dealt with by Magneto um who is just like yes now I will have my revenge ha 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 um and it's it's kind of it's kind of like okay but like why why even really have Mesmero there <laughs> other than it's a very wait what were we doing here then uh yeah it 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 is because this primarily serves to get beast back with the x-men long enough for the magneto storyline end of (coughs) final splash or final page splash of magneto is fucking rad though yeah yeah it is um and of course all of the x-men are like oh shit because uh (laughs) The new X-Men's battles against Magneto have not gone super well for them. No. So, uh, so yeah. So that leads us to X-Men number 12, which has a cover by Dave Cockrum, George Perez, Bob Layton, and Danny Crespi, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Bruce Patterson, and edited by Jim Shooter. Um... And basically, uh, Wolverine pulls a Wolverine and is like, I'm going <laughs> to kill him. Uh, at which point, uh, 
Cyclops is like, no, don't do that. Nightcrawler, uh, outside. Every, or everybody out, Nightcrawler scout ahead. Nightcrawler bamps out and is immediately like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? They open the door. They're Cyclops, or Cyclops, uh, Colossus unceremoniously bashes the back door of this. They're in a, a carny trailer cart thing. It, it's it's a cart. I don't I don't know why in 1976, 77, yeah, we have like an old timey carny cart here. It's not a train car or any of the ways that these things generally move around. It is an old timey like horse hitch drawn. up a horse. Yeah. Cart. Uh, so he bashes open the back door uh and looks out to find Nightcrawler clinging to the ladder for for fear of death and uh oh about 500,000 or I don't know. They're a mile up at least. Yeah. And he grabs uh, Colossus grabs Nightcrawler, throws him back in, and is like, "Oh shit, we can't. Get, we're trapped here with Magneto. Magneto. This is when also he Wolverine tries to kill him again, uh, but everybody stops him and is like, let him monologue. Shh, just chill. We're a mile up. If you kill him, we oh, all that, fall. Yeah, that too." Um, he tells him that after Beast went to the mansion, he followed, Magneto was already following Beast, uh, so he basically followed him through the whole of last issue. And he's like, also, Mesmero sucks and I'm done with him. And tosses him out the back of the cart. And by this point, the South American, a South American government is has noticed that uh, there's a horse cart uh, flying through the sky and has sent interceptors after it, and they're like, oh shit, and oh shit, a dude just fell out. I'm not, A, I don't know what I'm looking at here, because it looks like a horse cart. B, a dude just fell out of it. Um, what do we do? I think we go home. Good enough. You've never, like, I, I love <laughs> the idea that even in the Marvel Universe, uh... These pilots are just like, have you ever seen a horse-drawn carriage flying through the air and then a green dude comes rocketing <laughs> out the back? No. You? No. We should probably leave it. <laughs> yeah. They just fuck off. Um, but so, you know, Magneto, Magneto, of course, is out for revenge against the X-Men. Because, yeah. Um, and uh, we... Magneto takes them to Antarctica, to a base he has below a volcano. Um, and he... He comes in through the top and just sort of magneti magnetically shoves the lava out of the way until they're inside a dome. Um, the X-Men... Uh, the X-Men try to fight Magneto here 
and they get their asses kicked because they're not working together. Right. Um, and the they're each the added beast being there too kind of fucks it all up because he kind of thinks he's hot shit now because he's an Avenger and uh, there he gets his ass handed to him. But yeah, they yeah, they go but, after him one after one up, you know, one at a time. Yeah, um, and so uh, the only the only thing that really tips the scale in their favor here is Phoenix. Yeah, she uh, she starts just beating on him um, and nearly has him defeated, but then just kind of hits the upper limit of what she's capable of, and. In that moment, uh, the he is able to turn the fight back against her. Wolverine gets in close and injures Magneto. Magneto is just like, fuck you. Uh, but in the end, the X-Men are defeated. And they they wake up. Stre- locked into these chairs unable to speak and uh we get the first introdu- introduction of magneto's robot nanny uh and nanny nanny is a very cutesy sort of robotic uh i don't want to say nanny uh babysitter uh and he's just like you get to you get to enjoy what I had to deal with, uh, which is being aware of who you are, being aware of everything that happens to you, but not being able to do anything about it. Uh, this, of course, being a throwback to when Magneto was reduced to infancy by Alpha, uh, the ultimate mutant, uh, in his... Uh, it was back in Defenders. Um, and he's like, you get to endure the hell that I did. Still po- still in possession of an adult mind and aware of everything that's happening to you, but not able to talk, not able to enjoy any agency whatsoever. Ha ha ha. Fuck you. Um, so, which... Damn. Uh, It is... It is worth mentioning here. The X-Men didn't do that. Um, (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking when I was reading it. was like, wait a minute. The X-Men weren't... Were they even there for that? Yeah. Maybe Xavier was, but nobody else. Xavier was. Uh, He was there. Uh, But like the the alpha was the one who regressed him to infancy and the ones who were like there for that were the defenders but mm-hmm. whatever magneto's going to lash out the way magneto does because he wouldn't be magneto otherwise so x-men number 113 has a cover by john byrne bob layton and danny crespi Colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by Annette Kowecki, and edited by Roger Stern. 
we a few things happen here. Um, number one, Magneto has some plans that he's carrying out, and we see him attacking a research facility. Um, and this kind of this kind of doesn't go anywhere, and part of that is because Magneto, uh, in the in the course of the fight to come. Magneto is seemingly lost and dead. Uh, and also, like, his entire database in this... Um, in this Antarctic facility winds up being destroyed. So, I guess that put his plans back, but we never really know what it is he's trying to accomplish in this moment. All we know is he attacks a facility, Asteroid M is back... Uh, even though the last time we saw that was in X-Men number five Jesus. and it was destroyed. Um, so yeah, uh, while that's going on, Xavier is in Greece with Lalandra, um, and he's just like, I've lost contact with the X-Men. That's not good. Um, and Lalandra's like, I'm sure they're okay. You know, they're they're mutant superheroes. They go through a lot of shit. And he's like, Yeah, but also this isn't this isn't good. Uh so then we switch back to the X-Men, and uh Nanny <laughs> Nanny is doting over them. She talks about brushing, or she's brushing Beast's fur, and she's like would you like some bows for your fur? I'm going to, next time we do this, I'm going to bring some bows and we'll put them in your fur. That'll be so lovely. Uh, Storm, meanwhile, this is the first, this is the first time we see anything really of Storm's history as a thief. Um, because Storm watches everything that Nanny does and keeps track of what her routine is like at which point while nanny is out of the room and will be out of the room for some time she shakes off her headdress and we discover that inside for the first time uh is a set of lock picks she reaches down with her teeth gets one and starts trying to unlock the restraints on the chair um as this is happening, we get a flashback to what happened to Storm after her parents were killed in uh, in her childhood. And we find out that she lived as a thief on the streets of Cairo. It's how she knows how to pick a lock. Um, this is all old news at this point in time. Like, at at the point now that we're recording this... We know all this, but this was this was never re never revealed before uh, this point. Uh, she's in the course of trying to pick the lock. She drops the pick. Nanny comes back in, says, oh, you've dropped your headdress. Uh, and um, puts it back on her and she's like, that's OK. We'll get some bobby pins and we'll put that back. Uh, 
and Storm cries uh, just out of frustration and uh, at, you know, at having having gotten so close and just... Ugh. Um, but yeah, so Magneto heads back to Asteroid M, does his stuff, and then... Uh, an alarm goes off telling him that something's happening back at the Antarctica Antarctic base. So he go he heads there. Uh the lights are out and Nanny is fucking up. So he's like, "Okay, whatever." Goes in. However, things go very differently this time because instead of just throwing themselves one at a time at him like the villains in a Jackie Chan movie, the X-Men uh, are psionically linked by Phoenix and coordinating their attacks. And um, they they kick the shit out of him. Um, but what winds up happening is that in the course of the fight, Magneto gets thrown into the controls for the dome over them. Uh, and... That starts to open. Lava starts pouring in. Uh, which abruptly ends the fight. Um, and um, Magneto is just like, fuck you, and goes to try and take off. Uh, the X-Men, for their part, are um, seemingly fucked um in as this is happening a piece of debris starts to fall beast pushes phoenix out of the way um but they are cut off from the rest of the team and in doing so uh you know they they come to think that the x-men perished um i was mistaken in thinking that magneto was seemingly killed here he manages to escape and with, this is when we find out that all the data on the database in the Antarctic in an, in the Antarctic base was supremely important and irreplaceable. Which you have more than one base, dude. <laughs> uh, but whatever. Uh, but he's injured, and his plans have been scuttled. So he runs off between his with his tail between his legs um and his his reaction is okay the x-men are a lot more formidable than they've been in the past but whatever they're dead <laughs> um at which so this issue ends with uh beast and phoenix bursting out of uh the now leveled base um Phoenix passes out and Beast is like, well, without her to A, carry us and B, warm us up, we're going to die. <laughs> um, and he passes out as well. So, yeah. Um, all right. So that brings us to X-Men number 114, which has a cover by John Byrne, Terry Austin, and Danny Crespi, 
written by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, lettered by Gene Simek and Gaspar Saladino. Um, Beast is forcing himself on ahead, uh, even though Phoenix is still out cold. He is slowly freezing to death, but they, uh, they see a helicopter and Beast is like, oh God, you know, this is our one chance of rescue. Uh, and I have no way to signal them. So he, um, he tries to wake up Phoenix. She wakes up and she's like, oh God, Scott. And starts like, um, trying to dig them out. Uh, the pilot sees this and comes and rescues them. Beast is forced to tell Gene, seriously, Gene, the others are dead. Please stop. We have to, we have to survive. Um, but <clears throat> the other X-Men have survived, obviously, uh, and tunneled their way out of the volcano only to discover the, that they are in the Savage Land. Uh, Storm, happy to see the sun and the sky again, takes to the air um, in order to shake out their, uh, shake out her, her, um, claustrophobic willies, I guess you could say. Uh, so she and Banshee go for a flight, but they're attacked by pterodactyls. Um, Wolverine and Colossus do a fastball special, which I forget. Is this the first fastball special or I don't know but um he gets Wolverine gets thrown at the pterodactyl and does what he does best at which point um the gravity takes over <laughs> um uh He's able to kill the he's able to kill the pterodactyl. Whoopty fucking do. Um, but when he when he arrives uh, back down on the ground, he gets berated by Cyclops because of course he does. He literally cannot do anything, but that Cyclops rips him a new asshole. Whatever. Cyclops is gonna Cyclops. Um, yeah, but the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they managed to eventually find a village, uh, where they are able to, you know, patch themselves up, put on clothes that aren't quite so shredded, um, and, uh, get something to eat. Uh, when that happens, they are being observed by, uh, Carl Lycos. If you're not aware of Carl Lycos, Carl Lycos is the X-Men villain, uh, Sauron. Um, who's just, you know, uh, just excited to have mutants to chow down on. 
So um, we get some stuff about Beast and Phoenix back at the school being sad. Um, Phoenix Phoenix has to tell the professor that the X-Men are dead. Uh, which no one looks forward to. Let's be honest. Like no one, no one's enjoying that conversation. But uh, yeah, so it is over the course of this issue. The the X Men enjoy a little leisure time in the Savage Land. Um, they think Beast and Phoenix are dead. Um, we do get we do get some stuff between Storm and Cyclops, wherein Cyclops is realizing that he's not he's sad that Beast is dead, but he's not feeling any sadness over the seeming death of Jean. Um and he doesn't know what to make of that. Um Storm, of course, gets angry at him over it. Um, but Cyclops is just, he's, he's... In retrospect, it is easy to chalk this up as Scott is not upset that Phoenix is dead because Phoenix is not Jean. On the flip side of that, however... Given that at this point in time, Phoenix is very much supposed to be Jean, uh, it's hard to say what exactly this is. It could be that it's such a massive loss that he can't even begin to start processing it. Right. It could also just be signs of an issue in their relationship. Dunno! Yeah. But, either way... He's not feeling anything about it currently. Um, and, yeah. Um, this issue ends, however, with uh, Storm going to uh, take a swim and get some sun. Uh, but she is attacked by Lycos. She screams. The others come running. And they find her on the ground and Sauron, or Lycos having transformed into Sauron. So, yeah. Alright, so that brings us to X-Men number 115, with a cover by John Byrne, Terry Austin, Danny Crespi, and Michael Higgins, written by Chris Claremont, colored by Francois Moulet, lettered by Rick Parker. I'd like to take an opportunity to thank my backup singers, the dogs out back, who just will not shut the fuck up. Uh, but anyway, so this issue, we primarily, uh, we primarily, um, have the X-Men going up against Sauron, and, um, <clears throat> this fight... This fight is interesting because it, uh, you know, Sauron, Sauron, for one thing, causes, uses his hypnotic abilities to convince Wolverine that Cyclops 
is attacking Jean when in fact he's attacking Sauron. Um, this works for a moment. However, uh, Wolverine eventually realizes, oh, no, wait, Jean's dead. Um, but uh, they are able to weaken Sauron to the point where he needs to feed again. Like they, they are able to get him to burn through all of the energy he absorbed from Storm. Um, so he goes after Colossus. Uh, Colossus is currently in his flesh form uh, when Sauron attacks. Sauron starts feeding him. Colossus switches to uh, his organic metal form, which uh, causes the causes a feedback on Sauron and makes him revert to Karl Lycos. Wolverine is about to kill Lycos when Kazar and Zabu show up. Um and they are able to uh end this amicably. Um Kazar of course prevents them from killing Lycos because Lycos is his friend. Um but as they um as they make their way back to the village, Lycos explains how it is that he survived his last appearance, uh, wherein he tried to kill himself, uh, wound up tossing himself off a cliff. However, he fell onto a ridge right below it, uh, picked himself up and dragged himself away, and wound up in the Savage Land. Uh, while, while in the Savage Land, he witnessed the High Priestess Zaladane, who, if you're at all familiar with X-Men, will become a huge fucking problem later. Um, but Zaladane... Zaladane leads a ritual which causes a... Um, random guy to turn into Garok the Petrified Man. Um, in the course of this, we find out that Garok, Garok and his followers have built a city, uh, and that city is throwing off the the balance of the Savage Land, uh, because the Savage Land is maintained by alien uh, machinery. That's how this magic land in the middle of Antarctica survives. That machinery starts being thrown off by Garok's followers, uh, which means that the Savage Land is slowly dying. Um, but... Whatever. Um... And the X-Men are basically so, like, okay, that sucks, but we gotta go home first, uh, yeah. because they think we're probably dead. I am pretty sure that as soon as we get home, the professor's gonna send us right back here, but, like, we gotta, we gotta do that. And they're like, well, okay, 
uh, I understand, and they take them to the edge of the Savage Land and uh, are like, yeah, you go down that way a bit and then you'll find a tunnel and it'll be fine. Um, they get to where they're supposed to go and it's well, already one thing I Well, one thing race. I do like here is Wolverine does call Cyclops a coward. Uh-huh. Uh, Wolver- Wolverine, a couple of the X-Men are like, yeah, of course, we should help them fight this thing. But Cyclops is like, no, we're not doing that right now. Um, and Wolverine straight up calls him a coward. Uh, but yeah, they they get to where they're supposed to embark from, and it's frozen. And the X-Men are just like, okay, it's snow, that's fine. Snow is not a big deal. And Kazar's like, no, you don't understand. It doesn't snow here. This is bad. <laughs> um... So, we're kind of fucked, but have fun going back to America, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, X-Men number 116 uh, has a cover by John Byrne, Terry Austin, and Danny Crespi. Is written by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, colored by Glynis Ween, and lettered by Tom Orzakowski. Um I I did forget to mention, I think. No, it's in this issue. Okay, never mind. Ignore me. Uh, anyway, so the X-Men are like, well, I guess we kind of have to help. Uh, so they start heading toward the Citadel to take this fight to Garrock when they are s- set upon by a bunch of people riding pterodactyls after you've been to the savage land a few times this i feel like becomes par for the course yeah like it's just like oh of course here come the pterodactyl riders uh, i mean but... have you even been to the savage land if you're not being attacked by haven't been attacked by pterodactyls in some fashion right right you know um so they're attacked at which point like almost everybody is taken um the only ones left after this attack are wolverine storm nightcrawler and zabu and wolverine wolverine sends zabu back to the fall people uh back at the village and zabu Zabu is clearly unhappy about it, but Wolverine's like, no, you need to go and tell them what's going on. Um, so they start making their way to the Citadel Gates, and this this issue is kind of seminal in a few ways. Um, number one is that uh, Wolverine seemingly kills a dude for the first time. Uh they find they find a guy guarding the gates and i forget if it's storm or nightcrawler but one of the others is just like i'll take care of him and wolverine's like nah i got this so he goes up and you hear a sn- you see a snicked uh onomatopoeia 
At which point, Storm turns away in disgust, and Nightcrawler's just like, oh shit! (laughs) And then the next thing you see is Wolverine standing over a person, and all you see is the guy's arm sort of like... Yeah, the rest of him is hidden by rock. Uh, This implies heavily that Wolverine kills the guy. However... My understanding, and I believe this is from uh, comic book or urban legends revealed. Uh, It was not, supposedly the intent was not to make you think Wolverine had killed him. Supposedly Chris Claremont and John Byrne have said no, 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 people assumed that was the case but that was not what we were going for and apparently jim shooter was very unhappy about this panel um now whether or not that had been their intent and then after shooter uh was pissed off they were like no we didn't mean for that to be taken that way or what i don't know but uh But yeah, so Wolverine seemingly kills a guy for the first time. Number two, uh, this is the first time we get any reference to Wolverine's healing ability because he mentions that he heals real fast. Um, Number three, I think it's the first mention of Wolverine's bones because at one point a dinosaur like bites Wolverine's arm, like basically tries to bite his hand off and fails. At which point Wolverine puts his claws through the thing's head. And he says, there ain't an animal alive that can bite through my bones. And this is the first time. So this is the first time, uh, we get, mention of his adamantium skeleton i believe um so anyway they're able to make their way inside um and the x-men and kazar are tied to posts um getting ready to be uh executed they start burning colossus at the stake um and at first, all that's really happening is that his body is getting red hot. Um, of course, at this point in time, we don't really have... The new X-Men are still pretty green, so we don't know how much they can actually take. Um, but Nightcrawler... Um, Nightcrawler pushes himself and makes the longest teleport he's ever done uh, in order to get up close and take off the blindfold covering Cyclops' eyes. Cyclops frees Colossus and Banshee, uh, at which point Storm and Wolverine come in. Um, And Storm is able to free Cyclops and Kazar. Um... Garok is not ready for a fight. So he is just like, fuck this, and goes to recharge. 
Uh, so he, Cyclops takes off after him. Um, and Garrock heads to the top of the Citadel. Um, and it turns out that the Citadel is positioned over a, over a huge, uh, fissure. And that, uh, the, the fissure is what has a, using the alien technology, the fissure is what heats the savage land. The citadel is positioned over it. Uh, and Garrock uses the geothermal power to recharge himself using the citadel. That's why the citadel is slowly destroying the, uh, the uh, Savage Land. In the course of things, the Citadel, of course, begins to collapse. Um, the X-Men try to get all of the people out uh, and are able to escape themselves. Storm attempts to rescue Garrock, uh, but fails. And... Um, because she's she's hit by something um and winds up not being able to save him um and everybody's just like well she's gonna have to deal with that i guess <laughs> um and banshee banshee goes to try and you know talk to her comfort her but wolverine's just like no, she she just needs some time to deal with that. Um, and so the X-Men stick around for a while after this, if I'm not mistaken, um, in order to sort of make sure that the Savage Land survives its ordeal. Uh, at which point... Says a fortnight, so two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, they're still... Like, Cyclops was in a huge hurry before, but now it's just like, nah, it's fine. Two weeks is fine. They, they've they thought we were dead this long. Might as well let them think that for another couple weeks. It's alright. Uh, <laughs> but finally, they're just like, okay, we have to leave. Uh, so they take off... Uh, and yeah so that brings us to x-men number 117 with a cover by dave cockram terry austin and maury kuramoto lettered by clem robbins and gaspar saladino um the the beginning of this issue has the x-men caught in a storm uh storm for her part tries to uh calm it but it's just too much for her i um, like that this is called out basically wolverine's like hey man can't hey boss why don't we use in storm to calm the to calm this squall down and storm is up flying and she's like what the fuck do you think i'm doing asshole <laughs> and he's like yeah oh okay <laughs> this yeah. is calming it down Ah! Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but they are they are found by a Japanese ship who takes them aboard. But they're like, we can't. We're on a secret mission, so you can't use the radio to call in. You just have to wait till we're back in Japan. And so while this is going on, uh, Jean is getting ready to leave the school because the X-Men are dead. There's no reason to stick around right now. So she's going to take a vacation. Um, Charles, meanwhile, Charles is not doing well. <laughs> uh, and this winds up flashing back to um to what caused him to decide to foster peace between humans and mutants um and this is the first time we get a uh a definitive statement that charles and moira were together before uh before it was just like we don't know why he knows this woman, but it turns out they were young and in love. He was drafted into the military. Uh, but, you know, the world being what it is, uh, he was in the military, he was injured, and while he was recovering, he, he received a letter from her explaining that, nope, I married somebody else, sorry. Um, of course, in light, in light of, uh, House and Powers of X, we now know this was pretty well bullshit. Uh, we now know that, uh, Moira Kinross marrying Joe McTaggart, uh, was actually in an effort to create a mutant like Proteus. Um, but whatever. Retcons being what they are, you know, we can, we just go with what we've got. Um, but so Charles went, went walkabout and wound up in Cairo. Uh, he, of course, had his first uh, encounter with young Aurora Monroe, uh, who picked his pocket, but, uh, wound up, wound up in a cafe having a psychic battle with Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Um, in the end, uh, he of course won, and Farouk drops dead, um, we will eventually learn that the Shadow King survived and has, you know, jumped from body to body ever since and so forth. But uh, following this, Xavier winds up going up against Lucifer, being paralyzed from the waist down and eventually forming the X-Men. But uh, the end result of all of this is that Lalandra is just like, well, you know, there's no reason for you to stick around anymore, so why don't you come with me to space? And he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, and then the issue ends with Gene at the airport running into Misty Knight. Misty's like, 
my love to Scott. Bye. Gotta go. And Gene's like, no, wait, he's dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> Misty's on her way somewhere, too. Um, yeah. Uh, she and she and Colleen oh, are doing something. Japan. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Which is uh, good because everybody so, else is in Japan. All right. Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Well, uh, so overall, this this week's X-Men has a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of firsts. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention is that issue 114 uh, is the first time we get the word uncanny on the cover. The book, the book is still just X-Men. Like, if you look inside at the copyright information, it's... It continues being X-Men until issue number 142, at which point it's officially changed to Uncanny X-Men. But, uh, but yeah, we now have, we now have that classic, uh, adjective on the cover. Uh, and we're getting, like I said, we're getting a lot of, a lot of interesting character work being done. Um... There's some annoying shit. Uh, there's there's the fact that it's odd that Professor Xavier just sort of takes it at face value that the X-Men are dead. Uh, and, like, his report of the X-Men being cut off when they're in Magneto's base makes a certain amount of sense. But once Xavier returns to the school, I don't really understand why he doesn't just use Cerebro to make sure. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Like. He's on his way he to He doesn't space. because we need that for the story. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. But come on, man. Get, get your shit together. We get. So, yeah. Thanks. Anyway, all right. Ms. Marvel number seventeen has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Terry Austin, and Annette Kowecki, and is written by J- Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Tony DeZuniga, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, Carol. Carol has a danger sense premonition of fighting for her life and losing. Uh, this starts affecting her work, which causes her co-workers to be like, man, Carol, Carol seems to be under some stress and uh, maybe we should do something to help her. Maybe we should do something to... Uh, get her spirits up. While that is going on, we have our first appearance of Mystique. Um, so we see, we see the shield helicarrier and Mystique bluffs herself and this guy, Jeffrey Ballard, uh, who it turns out he's the one who had blown up Carol's apartment and that um, uh, Carol's co-worker, Frank, 
was uh, investigating. Excuse me. Sorry. Couldn't think of the word. Uh, and she... So Mystique gets them aboard. And um, it's... It's interesting because she... She shies away from a run-in with the Contessa. Um, and the reason being that um, that if the Contessa were to hug him or hug her as Nick Fury, uh, she would realize that under this huge parka she's wearing uh she's she's not nick fury's size which it's always really interesting to look at the abilities of shapeshifters in the marvel universe um because you have certain shapeshifters who are able to kind of do whatever they want yeah whereas mystique is pretty uh consistent in that she's not able to change her mass significantly um i know that in the in the like 280s uh in uncanny x-men she goes up against trevor fitzroy and she pretends to be bishop uh and he like he cuts her across the midsection uh and they describe it as the sound of a balloon being ruptured because she has to like fill out the mass with just air like she's not able to actually bulk her up herself up to bishop size so it's interesting that that's been fairly consistent in her case um whereas other shapeshifters morph from like exiles can pretty much do whatever he wants whereas mystique is a lot more constrained um anyway yeah they get aboard the helicarrier and they take this thing called the centurion project um and get the fuck out of there so carol then is minding her own business when suddenly she comes under attack uh from her co-workers who decide to cheer her up with a snowball fight uh they have a nice fun little time uh during which carol and frank kiss but carol's just like nope and pushes him away uh Changes and into so, Marvel and flies away. <clears throat> yeah. And at that point, we realize that she's being watched um, by someone who can track her as Miss Marvel, but not as Carol Danvers. Right. Um, and uh, the Centurion attacks her. Um, so that brings us to Ms. Marvel number 18 which has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Jim Novak and is inked by Ricardo Villamonte, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Denise Wall, 
and edited by Jim Shooter. Um, Ms. Marvel uh, fights with the Centurion, as is as was the case in her uh, vision, and it does not go well for her. Uh, the Centurion is seemingly too powerful for her on her own. Um, Luckily, uh, Wasp and... Is it Beast? Wasp and Wanda are out shopping nearby when she gets struck out of the sky. So Wasp flies up to help immediately. Meanwhile, Wanda has to take the elevator because she can't fly in this universe. (coughs) And Wasp manages to get her get the centurion uh distracted and further distracts wanda shows up on the elevator has to push her way out of everybody trying to leave the restaurant and uh further distracts the centurion because uh wanda kicks ass um yeah at that point everybody else shows up meaning well yeah it's vision uh, Wonder Man and Black ja- Bl- Yellow Jacket. Black Jackets? Uh, is that even a thing? That's not a thing. Um, no, I don't think so. Everybody starts pounding on Centurion. Uh, Centurion manages to hold his own against pretty much everybody but Wonder Man. Uh, Carol had switched back into Carol in the initial confusion and Centurion lost track of her. Uh, she goes up to the roof and hides, turns back into Miss Marvel. Centurion immediately clocks her and uh, swats her from the air again. Um, at that point, yeah. Centurion, Wonder Man just wrecks him uh, and Centurion has to flee. <laughs> after Carol Carol kind of figures out that she can be tracked as Ms. Marvel switches back into Carol in an abandoned building that Centurion is like well fuck it and he just sort of blows the whole thing up Uh, Wonder Man saves Carol as the building is coming down uh That's the end. Then we switch back to um, CIA headquarters where Raven has been watching the whole time. Yeah. Um, and she she checks in with whoever has put her up to all of this. Um, and then we also get, we get some stuff back on Hala. Uh, where a couple of members of the Science Council are talking about the fact that the Supreme Intelligence is still not online. Uh, but they're wrong. Because after they leave the room, the Supreme Intelligence kind of switches on and is just like, no. <laughs> I'm um, being the way I am. He's being he's being the supreme intelligence and keeping it hidden for some reason. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, back back on Earth, uh, the uh, the upshot is the Avengers. The Avengers help Carol, but ultimately this comes down to Carol versus uh, Centurion in a um, power plant uh, where Carol is able to use the machinery to overload Centurion's armor, uh, which causes his uh, blaster to... Uh, overload Carol tosses it tosses it up and it explodes harmlessly uh, over the city Um, at which point they unmask Centurion and it's George Ballard and everybody all of the Avengers are just like who? (laughs) Uh, but whatever this is Um, the I don't know. I don't remember if it sticks around, but this is the first appearance of the black costume. This doesn't have the sash or the lightning bolt across the front, but um, yeah, we yeah she she changes because she realizes that he's tracking her Cree costume, mm-hmm. so she changes into something else, and this of course presages her changing completely into the black costume that we of course tend to associate with Ms. Marvel. Uh but that will happen I believe in issue 20. Um, um Yep. Yeah. Um but yeah. So Ms. Marvel uh number 19 has a cover by John Romita Jr. and Joe Rubenstein, and is penciled by Carmine Infantino, inked by Bob McLeod, colored by Janice Cohen, uh, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Um, Rona, so something happens down on the farm in Texas, uh, where... Ronan and uh, a few Cree uh, exiles are living. Ronan, if you'll recall, had come under the influence of whatever it is on Earth that affects the Cree, uh, which is how we explain why Marvell went from dutiful Cree soldier to the protector of Earth. Uh, and so, you know, these other Cree deserters wind up developing emotions and falling in love with each other and shit. Uh, Ronan winds up being regressed to childhood practically, uh, mentally. But at this point, there's an explosion and Ronan is in the middle of it. We don't know why initially but um he heads to new york and attacks carol danvers um carol fights him it does not 
it is not going her way, but Captain Marvel shows up. Um, and this is, this is interesting because there's that initial, since this is their first time running into each other, uh, like this, uh, there's an initial, like, why are you wearing that? (laughs) Uh, and everything. And while this happens, Ronan is able to... Uh, take them both down and get them aboard his ship. Um, he proceeds to start um, going through Carol's memories in order to understand how all of this happened. Um, and in doing so, you know, this issue is interesting because while the while the overarching like Ronan thing is kind of whatever um this is an interesting issue in the context of Carol and Marvel's relationship um cuz this is the first time Marvel has been confronted with the results of what happened with the psyche magnetron uh and carol carol and marvel kind of make peace with each other um and so this this winds up informing their relationship going forward uh which is really the only reason this issue is all that good. <laughs> um, the Ronin the, stuff, I can... I don't mind the Ronin fight, but that's... It's all to serve to get us here at the end. Yeah, I mean, the the Ronin fight on its own would just be okay. It would feel like filler, but for Marvel and Carol's catharsis. Uh... If it weren't for that, it would just be Carol and Marvel fight Ronan. Whoop de fucking do, right? Uh, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, if if you are if you are at all at this point in time following this storyline with Marvel or with Carol, sort of reconciling the different parts of her life and how she came to be here this is a fairly important issue is what i'm saying yeah so so yeah overall like i said i mean you know we get our first mystique who is going to wind up being such a big part of Ms. Marvel's history um, if only because through Mystique then we introduce Rogue and Rogue winds up just shattering Carol's life Uh, and so yeah like a lot of big stuff happening there Um, plus 
we're we're solidifying her relationship with the Avengers. Uh, so she'll be joining them forthwith. Uh, you know, just a lot of work a lot of work being done to get her to the sort of to get her to the point where we know she's gonna be going. Yeah. Um and yeah, I'm on board. Cool. Yeah, I mean let's fucking is, do it. It sucks that this gets cancelled in five issues. It does. Um I'm I'm glad that since we're since we're arranging her relationship with the Avengers and, you know, creating stronger connections with them at the very least we know we'll still get to continue reading about carol even though that doesn't go well for her like no nope. just just awful uh, <laughs> the uh yeah i mean you know i joked i joked earlier about the uh the storyline where it turns out Mary Jane had been had gotten cancer from Pete's radioactive jizz. Like Ms. Marvel, unfortunately, has a a storyline like that where it's just like, what the fuck were you thinking? Uh, but. Yep. But yeah, so. <laughs> all right. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top five. Okay, top five. Uh, from me, number five. Uh, Wonder Man and Miss Marvel again. Just, I know it's a repeat, um, but I just really liked their interactions, and I really liked that scene also because it gives Iron Man something to do other than sort of wander around and pout. Uh, It made him look like a leader again, which is good. Um, And their relationship evolving, not revolving, but like progressing is good. Uh, Number four. Nanny is so fucked up. Um, like, it's just fucking creepy. It creeps the shit out of me. I forgot that it yeah. stuck around. Um, Nanny is so fucked up. Uh, number three is the Storm lockpick sequence, just because not only is it really sweet or awesome to see her do it, um, but, like, the backstory and all that is, is good. Um, and it's, you know, I'm happy to get it. Uh, number two is, uh, Hawkeye takes out the collector cause fucking rad. Uh, and then number one is Starhawk. Starhawk can't see the collector and that's how, or not the, can't see Michael him flipping out. And that's how everything gets set off is yeah. Really cool to me. Um, yeah. So that was probably the most oh shit moment of the whole uh, week's reading, I thought. At least definitely of Korvac. So, that's yeah. me. 
so there were there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that it's really I actually kind of had a hard time uh, narrowing it down to five um, because there was a lot of really good shit uh, number five I yeah well I want to say I there's uh, special special recognition to things that didn't make the list such as repulsor boops and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, stuff like that but the number five I agree Carol and Wonder Man I know I know it's not gonna go anywhere um, other than they're friends they're good friends yeah and like you know stuff like that but it, it's kind of cute to see wonder man like trying so hard to impress her and she's just uh, like buddy just chill out we'll be fine yeah yeah but it, but it is it's he's a he's kind of adorable in that regard um number four uh i love starhawk's freakout like because it is you're you're sitting there you're sitting there the entire time and while they're while they're you know going over this house with a fine tooth comb and you're like he's right there how are they going to how are they going to realize that this is the case given that he's been able to shield himself from from eternity from the watcher from like all of these massive like what are the how is this going to happen and then it seems like they're gonna leave and then starhawk is just like what is going on yeah like, who are you even fucking talking to and then Korvac's like well i'm rumble shit <laughs> you yeah know? And so that was that was really fucking cool. Uh, number three, fucking Hawkeye. Yep, Hawkeye. Fucking a. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, number two. Number two is one that, looking back, it is very much like, yeah, of course, but at the time holy shit this was undoubtedly a big deal yeah and that is wolverine murdering a dude yeah um because generally speaking like you don't you don't have heroes just casually murdering a guy (laughs) like you know you have your your anti-heroes like your punishers uh but they don't they're not they're not supposed to be sympathetic heroes at this point in time. And so, you know, however it was intended, uh, I cannot imagine being a, an X-Men reader, uh, and having this book that has skyrocketed to the, to the top of the charts every month, 
and be reading it and it's just like oh yeah you know that new character they introduced he murdered a guy <laughs> like uh what do you mean no oh, just and it's just fucking like, murdered him oh and it's not a thing like if if there were an issue where spider-man or daredevil straight murdered someone it would be uh a huge storyline and stuff like that but wolverine just does it in a panel and then they just move on and it's just not mentioned again and you know like i said now we know wolverine wolverine has a huge body count but yeah at this point in time that had not been established no and fuck man like (laughs) you know you know yeah he'd taken down a pterodactyl but his straight up killing a human being uh i can't i can't imagine what that would have been like for a reader yeah so and then number number one uh it does it does get undercut but Korvac not necessarily being a villain uh was really good like i wish maybe someone had remembered that <laughs> other than moon dragon who just never mentions it to every anybody yeah so it's so weird oh well yeah such is life but uh so join us next time when we'll be reading um some thor some doctor strange bit of fantastic four spider-man and some incredible hulk uh in the meantime like us on facebook follow us up on, on twitter both individually and at watchers guide mu uh rate and review us on itunes or wherever you listen to us uh email us at watchersguide@gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com have a marvelous week bye Bye.